You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Father, we give you thanks this morning. Give you thanks for the joy that is in this place, the joy that comes through Jesus Christ. We pray now that as we open your word, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. That as we meet with the living God this morning, that you would transform us and change us into your likeness. For the sake and glory of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to read uh, the passage that I'll be going from, a little bit of what you've already heard, obviously in the Christmas story this morning, but I'm going to be looking at Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 39 today. If you have a Bible, you're welcome to turn there. If not, I'll read it for us. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. The word of the Lord. If you were with us a couple weeks ago, I had mentioned in my sermon that I would come back around to this idea of what it means to be filled with joy. And here we are in the Advent season the fourth Sunday of Advent, looking at joy indeed. What does it look like to be filled with joy? And we're caught up in this story of Mary visiting Elizabeth. And these cousins, John the Baptist and Jesus, meeting in the womb for the first time. Now it goes without saying that I have never been pregnant. You figured that out, right? Never been pregnant. However, I can imagine, to the best of my ability, what it might be like for a child to jump in my womb. I've had some pretty bad indigestion before. That's the best I can get. But I have had three children. My wife has had three children. And I remember putting my hand on her belly as the children would move around in her stomach. And it, it seemed as though, as you would feel her stomach, that they were literally doing somersaults in the womb. I don't know how they were doing it. I don't know how they had that much room to spin around, but they were moving a lot. You would see different limbs being kind of poking out, almost like an alien coming out, you know? And I thought, wow, this is awesome, but I still could not fathom what it felt like from the inside. Now, no discredit to those mothers in the room who've felt that and experienced that, but our scene today goes to a different level of movement inside the womb. John the Baptist, when Mary walked in the room and greeted Elizabeth, he knew something was going on. He leapt, and it says, the scripture says, he leapt with joy in the womb. I was recently doing an online training via Zoom that entailed equipping believers from all over the world on things like sharing their faith story and, um, and sharing the gospel and praying for specifically for movements of the Holy Spirit and making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. And these people were from everywhere. They were from Canada and South Korea and India and Haiti, some from Florida, some from local. And a particular lady in the training from India 
while talking about worshiping in her home, told the story of the week before where she and a group of believers had gathered together and they were singing and worshiping and they were interrupted by the police. The police breaking up the gathering told them that if they met like this again, that they would be arrested and put in prison. Now here's the crazy part about that. She said all of that with a smile on her face as though that was one of the greatest things that had ever happened to her. And I couldn't, uh, we were all just astounded as we listened to her story, but you can't find happiness in that situation. And so what was going on in her was much deeper than this outward happiness. It was a deep joy in her that the devil could not steal. So what do we do in our passage today and throughout the New Testament in particular about joy, about fulfillment of joy through the spirit? Well, the first thing I want us to see this morning is that Christian joy is born of the spirit. In just the story of Jesus alone, there are six people in the scriptures who the the scriptures say they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the result of that filling was a deep joy that could not be affected by their surroundings. Let me tell you a few of them. John in the womb, which we just mentioned. But when Elizabeth was told that she was going to have a baby that would be the preparer of the way, Luke chapter 1 says it like this, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, and he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Then you look at Mary and and Jesus as the angel came to Mary and it says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Elizabeth in chapter one, verse 41, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, this was what we just read, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, And his father, this is John the Baptist's father, and his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Simeon, a little later in chapter 2 of the birth story. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. In Luke chapter two, if you keep going about Simeon, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. And of course, if you were to keep reading, Simeon just goes berserk in happiness and joy. Finally, he's, meet, he's met baby Jesus. He's met the coming Messiah. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the chief characters of Luke 1 and 2 stand in stark contrast to the Old Testament. It's not that it wasn't happening in the Old Testament, but there was a force of emphasis here that we have to recognize in the coming of the Messiah. He's pulling from Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The church had been waiting for years for this moment to come. And Luke wants to be abundantly clear. The wait is over. The king is here. The spirit of the Lord has come. The Holy Spirit is doing the work of illumination. My sin is made known to me, and I need Jesus to reconcile me to himself 
Praise God, the king is here. And in patient sanctification, in the midst of all things, when I'm indwelt with the Holy Spirit, I begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit. You've heard those before, right? Galatians chapter five, what do they say? Love, and what's the second one? Joy. We don't have to go very far to see the fruits of the Spirit of joy. That that joy, that deep-rooted joy, that I'm marked by joy because in Christ is the coming of joy. And in sending the Holy Spirit to be with us, he has sealed that joy in our life. Why is that such great news this morning? To put it very reverently, because the Holy Spirit has never been broken. Or if I could say it like I grew up, the Holy Spirit ain't never been broke. You know what I mean by that? He had never been broke. 2020, was it a rough year? Yeah, that was a, that was a little bit of a brutal year, right? 2021, we kind of came out of that and thought, this is going to be better. And parts of it have been better, but it still has been a rough year in 2021. We're still trying to come out of this COVID fog of what does it look like to return to some sort of normalcy. And many of us would even say that the last few weeks have been rough, not just the whole year. Has anybody lost their mind over something over the last two years? And, and you thought at the time it was a legitimate reason why you lost it? And some of us have lost our mind and we had a little legitimate reason to lose it. Now, some of you just bumped your spouse and said, yeah, okay, that's you. In all seriousness, if in chaos, I can feel a lack of joy, I'm frustrated, I'm not grateful, there's no gratitude, and all I see is loss, I get to come to the Holy Spirit and I can ask him to give me joy because he's not broken. He's not broken. And, and never has the Spirit, have I gone to the Spirit and said, I need more joy. And he go, oh man, you know what? We're all out. We just ran out. If you'd have come just a few minutes ago, I just gave the last bit to that guy over there. If you'd have beat him to it, I'd have had more joy. It's not asking for a piece of gum from somebody. The Holy Spirit, the Godhead, has no limit to the joy that they will give. Anytime you want joy, if you honestly ask and desire, it's there in abundance. God, I want comfort in you so that I can come and rejoice in any circumstance. You, can, you really think God's response would be, gosh, you're really selfish in this moment. I can't believe you'd ask for joy at a time like this. No, he's not broke. And that means that joy is available whenever we want it. The problem oftentimes with us, and self-included, is that I try to find joy where it can never be found. You're never going to find joy in fleeting things. And yet we keep trying over and over and over again. We're kind of like ants. Have you ever observed ants? We moved into our house about five years ago uh, in, in Trustful. And when we moved in, you know, you, every, every neighborhood kind of has their own little Facebook page, you know, and you're starting to read the Facebook things and what's going on in the neighborhood. And one of the things that we kept noticing was ants. People would post about, we've got ants again. Where do they come from? We've treated for them a thousand times. Here come the ants back. And then you get weather changes like what we've just had. You know, it was 80 degrees yesterday. It's 40 today. So when it warms up again, the ants decide, hey, we're going to come out and hang out with you guys again, no matter how much you've treated. And so this last week, we had some ants come in. We don't even know where they came from. They just showed up in the bathroom like, hey, here we are. Let's celebrate. And then we decided, you know what you do with ants? You don't just squish the ants, right? Because that doesn't do any good. They just keep coming. You, you give them the poison so that they'll take it back and that they'll share it with the whole ant group 
and then they'll kill each other. And so we put the poison out and like thousands of them decide, yes, we have found what we're looking for. And they just swarm to it and they're everywhere. And then they start to do a little trail and the second day there's a few of them less. And then the third day there's a few less, but then there's a few of them. And this is where we're like them. There's a few of them that will sit in the poison and they'll just keep drinking. And they'll think, man, this is good. So good, I'm not even gonna move. And then before long, they just kill over. They thought they were finding their joy. They thought they had found what they're looking for, realizing, not realizing actually, that that was leading to death because they thought that that's what they wanted. How are we the same? How are we the same that we would often try to find joy in something that is fleeting? something that ultimately will lead to death, something that is not Jesus Christ himself. I just wonder how many of us are content with numbing the anxiety and the agitation instead of actually asking joy to drive it out. Secondly, Christian joy is rooted in hope. A few weeks ago, I mentioned that where you place your hope is imperative to your joy. So if you're hoping in something that cannot satisfy you, you'll continue to experience a fleeting happiness. However, if you've turned your hope to the one who can fulfill, that is rooted and cannot be dug up, then you experience what Micah 5 says. He says, and he shall stand in the shepherd and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God. And they shall dwell secure for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be their peace. Micah's promise of hope is played out in our gospel passage today where John in the womb of Elizabeth just gets in the vicinity of the great shepherd in the womb of Mary and he can't help but leap for joy. You see it in Simeon in chapter two where he's longing to be comforted in hope that Israel has been pushed to the edge that they would receive comfort. And where's that comfort? It is in Jesus himself. I want you to see this morning that this is an active hope. It's an active hope. You think Zechariah and Elizabeth and John and Mary and Simeon weren't longing for this? They'd waited so long, actively waking up each morning saying, hope is coming. It could be today. And if you go a bit further in chapter two of Luke, you meet this woman named Anna. She's been in the temple for 80 years waiting for this, fasting, worshiping, and praying. If today you're having trouble holding on to hope or something is robbing you of that joy, Maybe take a page out of Anna's book. Find our remedy in fasting, in worshiping, praying, seeking the Lord. This white knuckle, do-goodism, try-harder nonsense is robbing so many of us of our joy. Let's fast. Let's worship. Let's seek God's face. Let's pray. That's what refuels us and stirs us up. These characters in the birth story in Luke are not faking it to make it. It's not fleeting. It's an authentic and real joy that's rooted in the Holy Spirit and in hope. Thirdly, this morning, Christian joy aches, longs, and desires. There's uh, something that theologians call the now and the not yet. Maybe you've heard about it. The now and the not yet. The now being, or the already, or the now is that Jesus has come. But the not yet are the things that are not yet complete. They're not yet complete. That all things are not done yet. That's good news that we know the end of the story. Satan has been defeated. I think part of John's leaping in the womb is he's fired up that Satan's going down. 
It's on. Salvation has come. It's broken loose. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Satan's on the defense. You don't need a gate on offense. It's not God who's building walls saying, I hope we make it. It's Satan, and we know that he won't. And we're stuck in the middle knowing that it isn't right. You feel this all around us today. When disappointment, sickness, pain, anxiety, depression, violence, and all other things are around us. And in our joy in Jesus, we long and ache and desire for an end to all those things because we know the end of the story. The mountaintops will produce the sweet wine. The lion and the lamb will lie down together. There will be no remembrance of the former things. Christ is victorious. He wins. And this angst for this finality sustains our joy because we know from which our hope comes. You'll never experience this aching, longing, and desire in its fullest form if you're just fine with the comforts of the world. One of Satan's greatest tricks is to medicate the longing with the things that ultimately leave us empty. Filled with joy in Jesus, there should be a longing in us of the not yet. Because Bono said it best, right? I still haven't found what I'm looking for. He did, but he didn't. It's not there yet. So what do we do with that? May it fuel us to pray for the joy, to worship the king, to fast as we seek him. And then finally this morning, a very practical thing. Christian joy heralds good news. Christian joy heralds good news. Mary began her song, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Genuine joy leads to gratitude and gladness and gratitude and gladness sucks people in because it's so good. When we're pressed, history shows that Christianity is built for such a thing. The more government presses in, the world persecutes, the better the church seems to do. They just start thriving. We have this kind of joy that nothing born of man can touch. So when true joy is pressed on, we just shout it even more. We herald it even more. This is the joy we walk around in. and You can't kill that joy. Paul said it best. Remember what they told him? Paul, we're gonna put you to death. He says, well, to die is gain. He said, okay, we're gonna let you live. Well, to live is Christ. That's joy. What do you do with that? You say, well, I wanna be part of that. I want to know what that's like. I want to experience that kind of joy in my life. It's this kind of joy that made John leap in the womb because he knew the devil can't steal that joy. So I ask you this morning, do you have that kind of joy in your own heart? Have you experienced Jesus like that this morning? If not, he says it's available. All we have to do is ask. He's not run out of it. He's not going to say, gosh, I don't get another load in until tomorrow. No, right now, he says you can experience this joy. This joy, as we look to the birth of our king, we can experience that joy. It's time you ask if you haven't experienced it. It's time you say, God, fill me up with that joy so that no matter what my circumstances are, you can't steal that. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we ask for that joy. Lord, not the temporary things, not the things that are gonna pass away, not the fleeting happiness. Those are things that we don't really want. Sometimes the world tells us we do, but we don't. God, we want the true joy. We want the joy that only comes through you. And so this morning through the Holy Spirit, would you fill us with that joy?
Would you make our joy overflow this morning? That you would be glorified in all that we do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.